We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks. On the other side of the speaker, appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you being here. Thank you for showing up. Have a seat. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, as always. And today we are joined by the ever-present, always here but not here, on the cover photo for a reason. Should be the co-host, if not for corporate greed. Niners Nation's own Kyle Posey, otherwise known as KP, on Twitter, KP underscore show. What's up, dude? Rob Louder. What am I the last guess you had? No. How many guests, I don't how think many so. guests do you go in between? How, how, I don't how know. Often are you cheating? Not very many. Not very much. <laughs> Not very many. I don't think you were the last one. I'd have to look. You might have been. I'm just playing. What's going on, man? How's life? Life's good, dude. Just uh, like we were talking about, just trying to manage the the chaos that is a newborn baby that man. just turned a month old. Man, man, man. I remember 12 years ago, too. <laughs> 25, man. I mean, that's not young, but was that, no. was, uh, you know, were you planning on having your daughter? Absolutely not. Absolutely not, but not probably like <laughs> the light of your world now, I would, I would assume. Yeah, no, like it's cool. Like you'll... These are, you're going to go through experiences and obviously I'm sure many people have told you this, like you're going to latch on to certain things. So it's, you just got to make the most of it, man. Of course it's going to be stressful and you're not, you're not, you're going to go through periods where you don't sleep. Uh, welcome to being a parent, but no, it's, I know. I it's know. very dope. That's all right though. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's, it's just sleep. And like right now, the nice part about the fact that the sleep is so weird is I'm on paternity leave. So I, I, you know. If I have to sleep until 10, even though it's only in like three hour segments, I can't, but, um, it's been going good though, dude. It's been, it's definitely been interesting. It's, it's definitely, it's weird having a Robert Newton louder, the sixth, you know, like it, it feels like you'd think there'd be like some, I don't know, some, some heritage involved, like, like the one in line for the throne. Like maybe we own like 
an oil company or some type of franchise, <laughs> but abs- we have absolutely nothing to show for it. We have nothing in our name. We have birth certificates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right, man. Well, shit, I guess it's playoffs. And I'm assuming people are going to be expecting us to talk about football as it is the playoffs. But it's, I mean, I guess before we get into before we get into the 49ers side of things, I, I have to ask you because I know the answer is going to be humorous. It's going to be funny. And I just want you to tell me how you feel uh, about the uh, Dallas Cowboys. And I asked everybody else this last podcast, but are they still them boys? America's team, huh? Oh, God. 27 to nothing. Is Mike McCarthy the worst coach of all time? <laughs> so, uh, so he's lost his job basically twice, right, in this scenario involving the Packers and the Cowboys. It's really tough to be as bad as they were. Um, like they have a superstar in CeeDee Lamb. They they forgot about him. It seemed like for the first first half. Uh, Dan Quinn, Seattle Seahawks, that's your boy. Uh Yikes! That like defensively, they 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 seemed like they had no idea that the Packers, you know, were any good, and like that's going to be the big difference between the 49ers. We've we've heard the 49ers throughout this week talking about you know Jordan Love and kind of prop him up. It seems like the Cowboys basically rolled out the ball and thought they were going to um, basically win in the same sense that the Packers did. It was just the exact opposite. They were clueless, man. Yeah. It really was like kind of mind blowing to watch. Like I just, I couldn't understand what I was seeing. And it, it, like, I know the Cowboys are a good team. I don't think they're as good as everybody thought they were, or everybody wanted to make them out to be. And the 49ers kind of showed you that earlier on in the year. Like, Hey, you know, just reminding you that when they go up against a real team and, you know, they got a little bit more credibility when they beat the Eagles. But now we know looking at the Eagles that they've were broken shells of themselves when they played the Cowboys. And so, I mean, it was just weird to watch a team that looked like they had no idea what they were doing. It like some of the passes that green Bay was completing looked like stuff that, I mean, obviously you got LaFleur there, but it looked like stuff that Shanahan drew up, like just wide open dudes all game, you know, and they did that. What's that play called where the tight end, like, do they call it like the leak play, the tight end? Where- leak. Yeah. They hit him with that. So I, and I thought the Cowboys were going to win. And maybe I'm the dummy because I, I thought, did too. you know, the Packers, they're this high flying young team. They made a bunch of plays, but their backs were against the wall, you know, all second half. And like, I don't know if they were really challenged, but it's clear that the Cowboys just played a joke of a schedule. NFC East is hardly a real conference or a division. Um, at the same time, I would say the Eagles were more embarrassing than the Cowboys, but that's neither. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about the Eagles too. How do you feel about the Eagles? I would change coaches and how it it relates to the 49ers. Yeah. Just, just spit on the Eagles. It's looking great for the 49ers. I'll tell you that the, uh, the Eagles don't have a sense of direction. Maybe the Eagles went, Falcons 2017, where they kept the wrong guy. Should have kept Kyle Shanahan, kept Dan Quinn. Uh, Should have kept Shane Steichen, kept Nick Sirianni, who 
made a former offensive coordinator who failed miserably as a defensive coordinator the defensive coordinator once again and who knew his message did not get across and they were just they were so lousy on defense man it was it was really painful to watch in like just if you enjoy football watching the Packers sorry watching the Eagles and the Cowboys play defense in the playoffs was just like nails on a chalkboard so so much was going wrong on so many different plays, and then they didn't have any answers on the other side of the ball either. It was, ugh. Um, I would make wholesale changes. I would not sign Jalen Hurts to an extension. I would not move forward with Nick Sirianni. Um, the Eagles last year, like, Jalen Hurts was just throwing deep ball. Like that's how they were winning. He was heaving the ball up to AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, and it was working. That was never going to be sustainable moving forward. And there's a reason Jalen Hurts went where he went in the NFL draft. It's not like shitting on him or anything. He was just naturally a limited quarterback in college who lost his job multiple times. Like, this is who he is as a player. Um, And now we're seeing, like, when obviously A.J. Brown is not having A.J. Brown is an exaggerated example, but we saw down the stretch, like, they couldn't do anything offensively because he doesn't he's probably not comfortable throwing the ball over the middle of the field so they don't throw the ball over the middle of the field I don't know I um there aren't many challengers in the NFC over the next five years like when you're ranking them who's going to be the next contender for the 49ers who's going to be the team to take down the 49ers who um you're it's easy to pick holes in them and not nearly uh the same when it comes to the 49ers well and it's one of the things I was talking about earlier in the week was like, if you would have like, if somebody would have told you at the beginning of the year that the NFC, when you get to the divisional round would be the 49ers, the lions, the bucks and the Packers. No way. Somebody would have told you that week one, obviously 49ers you'd buy, but everybody else you'd be like, huh? You know, it's, it's, it's you a really you seen, weird. People would have called you like the person who's, you know, just, seeking attention online if you were to say something like that right right it wouldn't make sense to anybody and yet here we are and i think the lions are a respectable team i think that they i mean jerry can sacked himself against the rams i remember this so vividly the lions had a chance to move the ball and score obvious passing down golf drops back trips over his own foot lineman's foot whatever <laughs> drive he is did. over they don't score again so, like, as long as they have golf under center, like, they're going to be unserious. Yeah, it's it's tough for me. Uh, and, I, and we'll get into this, you know, obviously, if, if the 49ers make it past this week. I'm going to spend too much time talking about a team that the 49ers aren't guaranteed to play. But, yeah, no guarantee that they win either, by the way. True. It's true. Yeah, Tampa Bay looks like they're uh, just kind of, I don't know, they're they're excited to be here, I guess you could say. Um but yeah, I mean, I don't know. The Lions have some things going for them, but I would say quarterback isn't necessarily one of them. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. But right now, the 49ers have got the Packers sitting in front of them, which is the more and more I kind of fumbled through numbers and looked through things and looked at schedules and looked at statistics, I kind of became more and more impressed, I guess you could say. What's your... What's your take on the Packers? Like, just anything that I comes to mind about that team, go. This is a team, and speaking on their offense specifically, basically the second half, if we just narrow it down to the second half of the season, this is a team that's been playing above their skis. This is a team that 
like they're getting the best version of everybody they are depending on. Jordan Love is playing out of his mind. He's playing amazing football for a quarterback. I think he's he's doing everything you need for a quarterback, whether it's you know hunting the big play, avoiding a sack, um, being able to deliver under pressure, making throws off platform, extending the plays. Like he does everything right in that sense. They also have a bunch of young receivers, but I think when you think young, you just automatically disqualify them. But like their wide receivers are very dangerous. They can all win one-on-one. I think it matters that they are all uh, quote-unquote go-to guys in college, so it's not like the moment isn't too big for them. I know it's pretty cliche, but like they all can win one-on-one. So that that does make them scary. And I think getting back tight end Luke Musgrave, like their second round, I think it was a second round pick. Musgrave is very good and he's dangerous too. I, I would argue that like he has the potential to be the most dangerous weapon against most teams who don't have an all pro linebacker. Um, but there, I would say there should other. be a couple of them. Yes. I should have I would, a couple of all pros. I think that Dre Greenlaw was certainly better than the, um, the, a couple other guys that made it on the other side of the ball is the biggest disconnect there. And so, so far this week, and rightfully so, we're hearing about the Packers' offense and they're able to do this and they're able to do that, and which they are. Like I'm, I'm not taking that away, but like defensively, they're one of the worst <laughs> in the NFL. <laughs> and there is a very good chance with what the 49ers do well compared to where the Packers lack. The, the Niners have a strong chance to you know put up what, five, five touchdowns. Was a, we're getting over 30. And, like, when you put that type of pressure on a quarterback who is making his second playoff start, and I know he's been balling, and I'm not taking that away from him, but now you go into – you go outside, and, like, I think the, the rain has passed and whatnot, but, like, his numbers when he is outside are far different from when he's playing in, like, in a dome and whatnot. And, yes, he plays at Lambeau Field, but it's just a different environment when you're going on the road, and I think people understand the difference in that sense, but – the Packers are good. There's no doubt about it. Their offensive line is going to be interesting to see if they can hold up because they have three day three starters against a defensive line that does not have day three starters. <laughs> um, but I, I really don't see the path to them slowing the 49ers down consistently. Like we're talking Ravens where you bat two balls in the air and you have an interception. Um, there's a freak sack. There's just something like that where – it doesn't happen normally, and when that's usually the case, it's it's good news for the 49ers. Like that's that's my thought handicap on this game. It, it would a lot would have to go wrong for the 49ers to lose this, and that's been the case all season, even counting that Ravens game. Yes, the Ravens are one B, one A, whatever you want to call it. But like, there were four turnovers: Browns, Vikings. Um, aside from the turnovers and like the. Um, the Mooney War having an interception go through his hands. Like the, the things that happen when the 49ers lose, they don't happen in any other game. Like these are one offs. And especially when the talent gap is as sizable as, as it is in this game, really have a hard time coming away with the Packers ending up on top. And that doesn't mean they're, they're not going to score. Um, like there are certain areas where they have advantage, they have a great uh, play caller as a head coach. And again, like you have a quarterback who can make you pay. So like they're going to be able to score. I, I should say they're going to be able to move the ball. Will they be able to convert those into tu- those red zone trips into touchdowns? Will be TBD. But um, I guess let me ask you this: 
when you're when you're looking at the quarterbacks, when you're combing through the numbers, when you see them play against the Cowboys, outside of love, outside of hitting that big play, what what do you think the 49ers should be worried about the most? Well, and that's kind of the tough thing is it seems like, even though, like you said, they're not big names, it seems like the Packers have enough receivers to have somebody get open. You know, like they've got enough competent options that there may be somebody open on every play. There may be a one-on-one that you can count on a Packers receiver winning, whether it's a Jalen Reed or Romeo Dobbs, or, you know, I think Christian Watson just came back. They got Tucker Craft. They got Luke Musgrave back. And even Aaron Jones is a, a receiving threat to an extent. Not it's not anywhere near like something like Christian McCaffrey, but he's competent, and I, they have a lot of options. And you know, the, I think the 49ers defensively are going to be not stretched thin, but they're going to have their work cut out for them. And it really comes down to you know, if you just start running through the numbers, let's just start at the the, the their their leader in production, Jalen Reed. You know, let's say he's matched up against Traverius Ward. And you've got Romeo Dobbs. He's matched up against um, freaking Diamondor Lenorm, Avery Thomas. You know, and whether you like that matchup or not, like, you know, there's there's a matchup where somebody might be open often, even though I've actually been pretty impressed with both of those guys. You know, they've, they've kind of both held it down. Then you've got Christian Watson, who's matched up with him. Which one of those two takes him? I mean, you've got two tight ends that are both competent, but the 49ers have linebackers to match him. There's really kind of a – there might be, when the Packers are on offense, a pretty solid chess match going on about trying to move those guys around and see if you can get a mismatch on any one of them because, like you said, they're they're not big names, but they're doing the damn thing, and they're playing good football, and Jordan, Jordan loves moving the ball around. You have – six targets that are all above right around either 400 receiving yards or above, which is production. You know, it's not, it's not anywhere near the big time stuff, but it'll, it allows you to move the ball. And all of them are averaging 15, 15, 12, 12 yards per catch. You know, they're all decent players. And so I think they will be a little bit there. What the crazy thing is to kind of shift over to Jordan love is, the more I watched him and the more I looked at him, I was like, this dude's kind of playing a lot like Brock Purdy is. Like, you know, and, and Brock Purdy at, at this point has had some turnover games that, that add to the numbers, but he's taking care of the football. He's not necessarily running like crazy, but he's doing enough to create the space he needs to find the targets. He's spreading the ball around. He's not turning he's it over. Spreading the ball around. Like, that is, is that is so important for an offense to be successful. And tying it into, like, the Cowboys, for example, when they can't throw to CD, they're cooked, right? Like, they don't have a plan. When the 49ers can't throw the ball to Ayuk, they're okay. <laughs> when they're okay. Jordan Love can't throw the ball to Dobbs, like, they looked okay during the last 10 games of the season. So, I think him not uh, – and I don't – in my opinion, like, Christian Watson getting hurt was the best thing to happen to them so they can force – you know, so they can let the other guys develop. But I, I do think that is that is pretty key. Um, when you have multiple weapons you can rely on and, and not so much, hey, man, like, damn, Debo can't get open. What are we going to do now? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Tucker Craft has two touchdowns. Christian Watson, five. Uh, Dontavian Wicks, five. Uh, excuse me, four. Romeo Dobbs, eight. Jalen Reed, eight. Like, that is legitimately moving the ball around. And, yeah. I mean, you can't – nobody can scoff at eight touchdowns in the NFL. That's a big deal. Oh, Reed's um, baller. 
Yeah. So I would say it's, it's absolutely competent, but, and, and Jordan love is playing at a level that I, I mean, I'm not quite sure it's still getting the respect it deserves. You know, if you go back to, and it's a little bit of cherry picking. Do I have them up? I had thought I had it up here. Uh, 20 Hold touchdowns, on. two interceptions in the second half. Not too shabby. Yeah. Like since his last bad game, which was like nine weeks ago, he has like 21 touchdowns, one interception. He's completing around like, I just did loose math, like 70% of his passes, some somewhere in the neighborhood of eight ish yards per attempt, 270 ish yards a game. Like those are elite numbers. And, and what's, what's interesting is if you go look at, let me, I thought I had him up here, but let me just pull it up. Jordan loves stats. Boop, 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 boop. Um, I probably just clicked out of the thing. You go and look, and his best games are against the best teams. Yeah. When he played Detroit, 268 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 9.5 yards. Uh, nope, that's not yards per attempt. Where's yards per attempt? That's touchdown percentage. 8.4 yards per attempt. Um, Kansas City, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 7.4 yards per attempt, 267 yards. Both of those games, 70% completion percentage. It's and then you go up to the the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, a thirteen yards per attempt. That tells you. I mean, that's a cool stat, but that also tells you just how abysmal the Cowboys right. were. <laughs> who who is throwing for thirteen yards per attempt in any situation, let alone a road playoff game? And if and I'm not insulting anybody else's intelligence out there, but if you don't know what yards per attempt is, it's not yards per completion. He had seventeen yards per completion. It was it's the yards total yards divided by the number of attempts, so it even accounts incompletions. But he didn't have many of those. He completed seventy six percent of his passes. So it's like, but, like he's playing at a very high level. But 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 week ten on the road, Pittsburgh they score nineteen points. He throws two interceptions. Um, on the road, New York Giants they lose. They score twenty two points. He throws an interception. Yeah, they have some weird losses at Carolina. They won, but it was 33 to 30 against yeah, Carolina. They, they allowed 30 points to the Carolina Panthers. Um, they scored 17 points against the Bears just in week 17 in a must win game. And he played outstanding in that game. But just the offense in general, when they go outside on the road, like it is a much different offense. And I don't count Dallas because they are not outside, <laughs> the conditions are just not the same. So I don't it, count them as a team. <laughs> right. They're more FCS than uh, NFL, but it's going to be a, there's no doubt it's going to be a step up in class compared to what they've seen over the past two months or so um, for them to score 27 against the chiefs. Like that's impressive. Um, but that was, that was way back in week 13. It's, it has been a weird, uh, some weird games mixed in between there. And, and I think the biggest, the biggest difference here. This is going to be the 49ers pass rush having their say against like just for lack of better terms, a lesser talented offensive line. Like schematically, they do a good job of protecting love, but like one of his biggest assets, honestly, is avoiding you know sacks and being able to make plays down the field, even though there is a pass rush in his face. So if the 49ers can kind of offset what I don't want to call um hero slash miracle plays, but like if they're able to limit those. And just make those one-on-one 50-50 balls down the field as a secondary. I think they'll be okay. Well, and the other aspect we haven't talked about yet, and and it doesn't necessarily go completely hand-in-hand with Jordan Love's success because he's had some success, some success when Aaron Jones haven't. 
But over the last four games, Aaron Jones has been over 100 yards in each game, 127, 120, 111, 118, six yards per carry, six yards per carry, five yards per carry, 5.6 yards per carry. Um, Where are touchdowns? Three touchdowns against Dallas, but then none in, in the other games. So along with Jordan Love, Aaron Jones has also been on fire. And now they're facing a defense that is one of the absolute best defenses in the NFL against the run, which can skew an entire game into, and that's, you know, this is a defense that's also getting Eric Armstead back, which is, uh, I still don't think he quite gets the respect that people realize or or did, or that he deserves or that people realize during the second half without Armstead kind of paint like, it proves your point. They were not good without Armstead against the run. Like season-long metrics, the 49ers were very good against the run, but they were actually bottom 10 down the stretch without him. So to your point, in, like in my opinion, he's one of the best players on the team. He's one of the – I guess maybe the better way to put it, the better way to phrase it would be Armstead is one of the most influential players on the team because when he's in the game, you A, cannot run the ball against them, and B, like now you have another prominent pass rusher, so there's no doubling anybody, and now they can do all the games and stuff, and you know they can they can rush four and drop seven in coverage. So Armstead being back is big, but the 49ers off a of bye. The last time they came off a of bye, they allowed three points to the Jaguars. They looked fresh. Like a they were bye around. and a half. Yeah, and, and that's another thing. Like Shanahan's talked about, they've had a they, they have these two practices a week basically where they're they're really going hard. But the, the players are getting rest, enough rest. And you know he's going to be smart with them uh, this week, especially with a Saturday game. So I I think, you know, them having legs underneath them will, will be a big difference. I don't think a lot of people are factoring in um, just how fresh the, the potential of, you know, the energy level spiking. Um, going against a team on a short week that traveled to Dallas, traveled back to Green Bay, and then has to travel from Green Bay to Santa Clara. The one thing we have not mentioned yet, and I am going to wander over here, is the weather. Yeah, that's been it's been all over the place. So it was supposed to rain overnight, then it was supposed to rain in the evening. As of this morning, like the weather just basically stopped. <laughs> so it went from like 80%, 87% precipitation to 60%. Um, I think now it's under 40 so like tomorrow it could be seventy five. Like who knows? Yeah, uh, yeah. Right now, I I just checked yesterday. It said it was going to rain, like sixty percent chance of rain. Now it says it's partly cloudy with a four percent chance of rain. Yeah, am, that's I the, wild. am I in the right city? Santa Clara. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing because uh, I mean, I, it's so fickle. With a high of seventy two, it's like perfect weather now. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe that won't be a thing. But here's the thing, and we know how this works against the 49ers, except the the inverse is, and to kind of slowly blend ourselves into Green Bay's defense, Green Bay does not have the tools, at least on paper and based on what they've shown this season, to stop the 49ers' run game. They're not great against the run. Like They're one of the absolute worst teams in the NFL against the run. And that's why the Cowboys gave Tony Pollard like 10 10 and carries because they suck. But can we talk about the difference between Tony Pollard and Christian McCaffrey? <laughs> you can, but I have a lot. I have a little bit of respect for Tony Pollard. I think he's so, a decent back. My biggest issue, and I'm not saying he's not. 
all he does is so is, you're playing a video game he holds turbo and runs straight like he is running <laughs> full speed into the backs the offensive line and i thought the cowboys did a decent job throughout the last half of the, or not a lot of patience in this season exactly where like he's not giving his blocks a chance and you can't do that against the packers i think mccaffrey's going to go crazy because he is as good as it gets when it comes to pressing the line of scrimmage letting his offensive line do the work and then like shooting out the other side finding cutback lane whatever it may be but um, his patience is going to go a long way and be the, the determining factor against a team who like their linebackers are either a slow or b so like wild and chaotic that they're going to run themselves out of the play. So I think there there is potential for uh, some big runs here, and that goes before adding into the Debo Samuel jet sweeps and shovel passes to the edge and blah blah blah. So I think there is a uh, a good chance the Forty ers are going to have success and and. That doesn't mean they're going to have a bunch of, you know, 30, 40, 50 yard gains. But if Purdy's living in second and four and third and three, there's there's no way to like you just can't stop them when they are ahead of the sticks and ahead of the downs like that. And that's and that was kind of my point when we started was Jordan Love has been great, especially over the last three or four weeks, five weeks. But at the same time, Aaron Jones has been great. I, I'm I will be interested to see how Jordan Love looks if the 49ers successfully stop Aaron Jones, uh, like I think the last time they, the last couple times they played Aaron Jones, I think they've been really good against him. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so it, it, you know, you're going to, you're going to see an Aaron, uh, a Jordan love that's not necessarily benefiting from Aaron Jones averaging six yards a carry. And if he is averaging six yards a carry, then the, the then the Packers are going to be in a good spot because, it's the same thing that we've come to know and love with the 49ers. We know what this team is like when they're running the ball effectively and they don't have to put too much on Brock Purdy. And it's going to be the same thing with the Packers. If the 49ers can stop the run and turn it into, and not to say that Jordan Love hasn't been a good thrower, but anytime any offense gets one dimensional, no matter how good any one player is, uh, it's never a good thing. You know, so they, they ran 54 plays last week. And only had ten third downs. Like they were living ahead of the sticks. Right. Huge chunk plays, like just ridiculous plays. Every like like watching that cowboy game, you're like the completions, you're just like, what? Dobbs was like Randy Moss, basically. Uh, why is this tight end standing in the open without anybody within twenty yards of him? You know, 46, like how, 38, 20, like looking at their gains that they had, just like, what are we doing here? Yeah, let me go to the game book for the Cowboys versus Packers and you click on game book. And then at the very end, it says, where's it at? 10 longest plays for the Green Bay Packers. 46 yards, 39 yards, 38 yards, 27 yards, 26 yards, 22 yards, 20 yards. Like they, they normally video don't. game stuff, man. I know. They normally don't hold up that far. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and, and so here's where one of the things I always like to talk about when I get previewed, get to previewing these games is where is the biggest match matchup discrepancy? I would say Green Bay's offense is playing solid. 49ers defense is playing very solid. Those two are going to butt heads all day long, you know, with varying success between both of them. The biggest mismatch of this game is the 49ers offense versus the Packers defense. It's 
in in the Packers, and so you wrote a piece for NinersNation.com saying the one area where the 49ers offense can take advantage of the Packers defense. Why don't you talk to all of us about that? Spread them out, baby. Um, <laughs> when the 49ers go empty, so their offense is already, you know, as potent as it gets, elite, whatever adjective you want to use, but they're they're top three in essentially every category. But when they spread out and they split Christian McCaffrey out as the wide receiver, and this could be out wide, this could be in the slot, this could be number, you know, any anywhere that's not in the backfield, it is hell. Because what they do is, like, in most instances, Kyle Juszczyk is still on the field. So that means there are three linebackers on the field. You are guaranteeing a linebacker has to guard both Kittle or McCaffrey. But when it's against the Packers – the Packers defense, the way that they're structured, the def- the opposite defensive end walks out over the slot. So on Saturday, I cannot wait to be surprised <laughs> when mm-hmm. Debo Samuel is one-on-one with Preston, like somebody wearing 91, Preston Smith. But that is Ouch. going to happen. There is going to be a scenario where it's Brandon Ayuk in the slot against one of their defensive ends and it's happened time and time again and they can just go backside slant all day um they can go crosser you can get a slot fade you can have george kittle over the middle so in that piece like i'm talking about the yardage that they're able to generate like the epa which is basically just like the big plays the 49ers they were tops in like all of this in empty and it it's like a double whammy against the packers because i mentioned how like their linebackers are a little too chaotic uh, Devondre Campbell is the guy who they they lean on him in pass coverage, not because of his athleticism, more because of his like you know experience and his knowledge because he's seen a lot of stuff. But you can't you can't run. <laughs> so we're talking about Kittle's probably st- like still at this you know this point in his career, he's still one of the faster players at his position. Obviously, McCaffrey is still like a four three guy in my opinion, like plays to that speed, and and so is Samuel and I, or Samuel and Ayuk. It's like Campbell is going to have to guard one of those players probably 10 to 15 times if the 49ers elect to spread the Packers out. And it's, it's going to be very difficult for him, um, for the other linebacker, because they, they do rotate a couple guys. But at the same time, we're talking about undrafted seventh-round cornerbacks out um, next to Jair Alexander. So the talent discrepancy, it's – I don't think a lot of people acknowledge like how wide the gap is in that sense. So I would be very shocked um, if the 49ers aren't able to, to, to get to 30. Yeah. The part of, of this, of this article that stood, stood out to me, and I'm kind of rolling myself down to it is where you talked about the, the Packers are 27th in DVOA guarding tight ends. Kittle averages five receptions and 87 yards at home. He has at least 67 receiving yards at every home game outside of one. The Packers are 23rd in QB rating against tight ends this season and have allowed the 39th most yards per attempt. Now, we're not, we're not going to stop here, but I am going to use this as an opportunity to quickly, quickly, because I don't want to mess up our flow, to, to uh, talk about some prize picks real quick. we got to give a shout-out to the old prize, kit, prize picks. But based on KP's intimate knowledge of the Packers' defense, I did throw George Kittle. Kittle. It has to be. Yeah. Yep, I did pick George Kittle to have more than 53 receiving yards. Um, that seemed like an easy choice for me. And I think it's also a little bit to do with the fact that, I mean, it's the playoffs. You know, like, I feel like George Kittle's like a lean-on guy. You know, like, if if shit is just 
not quite there, if you're not seeing the field as clear as you want to, if something's not quite open, go to George Kittle. And I, and I think that him and Brock Purdy have that relationship. I also picked Brock Purdy to throw for more than 265 passing yards. It was a big more day. Um, I also picked Christian McCaffrey to have more than 125 rushing plus receiving yards. It's a big number, but he does that surprisingly often. Purdy is um, as close to a lock as, as it gets going over that passing prop. So for every for every reason that we've talked about, right, they're going to spread it out and they're going to pick apart the Packers through the air. Against the Ravens in that four turnover game, like he threw for 255. Two weeks earlier at home, and these are all at home, 368 against Seattle. Bucks at Such home. Such a huge 333. number. Bengals at home, 365. Uh, Cardinals at home, 283. Giants at home, 310. I don't know where that number's coming from, that uh, 260. <laughs> but this is like he's done that against defenses that are better than this one. So I, coming off a of bye, you you would think that um, he reaches that pretty easily, right? And then the last stat I've got was uh, Aaron Jones to just score and basically an anytime touchdown. Um, I figure eventually the Packers will be able to punch one in with him. But uh, so that's my Prize Fix. If you don't know what Prize Fix is, it's daily fantasy sports made incredibly easy. You're, the whole gist is you're picking two to six players and you're picking stat projections projections like I just listed off. Receiving yards, passing yards, rushing plus receiving yards. You can even mix in other sports if you want to. They've got so many options. Best thing about Price Fix is it's incredibly simple. It, you can get on and create an entry in like less than 60 seconds. That's almost what it took me to put this one together for this game. Um, we'll see how I'm doing. I went with a power play, so I've got to hit on all those. Uh, we're getting down towards the end of the season. I don't want to leave anything on the table. Uh, we're leaving it all out there, as they would say. Um, if you want to get in on the action, if not just for the playoffs, just to just to, just to dip your, t- your toes in a little bit, go to prizepicks.com slash gold and use the promo code gold, and you're going to get um, a first deposit match of up to 100 bucks. Prizepicks.com slash gold slash promo code gold, and, uh, and you're in. Do it. Get on it. Have fun with it, uh, especially – like I said, at most, there's like three games left of the season. So get after it. Um, okay, so yeah, George Kittle does really, should should do really well against this Packers defense. I mean, you also talked about Debo Samuel's college teammate, Keyshawn Nixon, undrafted 2019. He's the Packers slot corner on 89 targets this season. He's allowed 80% of those for completions. That is not a good number. With a 101.4 passer rating. By I mean, way, their best numbers, corner. You want to be closer to... 55 on completion percentage allowed. You want to be closer to 70, 80 on passer rating allowed. So a slightly further away from hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. <laughs> um, Carrington Valentine, man, with that name, you're either going to be really good or really bad. Starts opposite of Jair Alexander, who also is semi banged up. He's a limited participant. He's not necessarily missing time, but he's not going to be a hundred percent. And he's going to be guarding Devo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Those two, um, Valentine and Alexander, who I think is overrated, but they are so aggressive. They are very flat-footed. They're going to sit on routes. And if you remember the, Card- the Cardinals game that was in Arizona late in the year, Shanahan, he ran a couple double moves with Brandon Ayuk. I, don't, I think they missed both. I want to say they missed both. They might have hit on one. 
but I, th- I think they missed one and hit on one. But okay, no, that does make sense. It was down the same sideline, I, I believe. Um, I think we're going to see that against these corners because they are so aggressive, and you really saw it last game. But I think Shanahan's going to use that to his advantage. And I, like this is a game where the double move with IU, like if they just you know you give them a chance to make a play on the ball, I think that's going to be something that they hit on this week. So that's that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But but Carrington for sure loves to sit, and then Jair's always been a gambler. Uh, I. I really like the matchup for the 49ers on the perimeter, though. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And then there's one receiver for the 49ers that we haven't mentioned yet that's making his return after a three or four week absence. Uh, Juwan Jennings. By the way. I never really, we never really got any more information other than he was still in the concussion protocol, which is was a little scary. Three weeks, yeah, right, right, a little scary uh, when it when it drags out that long because it it just means he's still showing some form of concussion symptoms, whether it be headaches or anything down the long list of stuff. So that's a little scary. But Juwan Jennings is back, which I, I saw you mention. I don't know if it was in this article mentioned somewhere. It's kind of a bigger addition than than probably a lot of people realize. No, oh, 100%. Um, against the Ra- – so going back to the Ravens when they didn't have him, like he's that physical, I'm going to go dig out a safety in the running game, but I'm going to – just like the bravado that he plays with, you know, the um, he just has the attitude that you need to be a slot receiver, to be a guy that makes a difference, whether it's, it's like whether it's him just catching a third and four pass or whether it's him – running through or playing through the whistle and blocking a guy to the ground. Like he, there's no real way to replace that. And I just think his energy was, was and, and drawing, uh, drawing 15 yard penalties, which is what he does all the time. Oh, by the way, right. like that is a real thing. So I, I think he does a really good job of getting under the defensive skin. And when his energy is out there, I think it, it brings the other guys up, up enough to notice. So Jack Jennings is a really good player. Um, and it doesn't mean like, you know, he's going to go off for a hundred yards this game, but I, I really think having him back, um, it, not to the same level it'll be with Armstead, but he, he's a big, um, a big addition. All right. So we've hit defense. We've, 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 we've hit the Packers offense versus the 49ers defense. We've hit the 49ers offense versus the Packers defense. Um, I'll ask you, are you concerned about, uh, one field goal kicker, Jake Moody? <laughs> Honestly, the Packers kicker is terrible, so uh, not – I'm not, man. I mean, honest, this 
this was a reason you don't need to take a freaking kicker in the third round just because you were always going to score this many points with this many weapons on the field and the kicker was going to be an afterthought. So he missed it. He missed a kick in a meaningless game, missed the extra point. And then, you know, now people, that's on the forefront of people's minds because that's the last thing we saw, but this hasn't happened since the Browns, right? Since uh, week six, whatever that was. So two and a half months or something. Um, right. But you don't, there aren't necessarily, there probably shouldn't be expirations on game winning misses. Don't disagree at all. Like that is fair. <laughs> in in my mind, if the 49ers are playing the Packers and it comes down to a game winning field goal, they have more issues than I thought. I don't see That's a true. That is and a good point. This is and it, it might be naive. Until they, they're facing like you know, Lamar, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, if they until they get there. Like, I don't envision a scenario where Moody will be needed. Like if he's needed and they're if they're settling for 40, 50 yard field goals against the Packers, against the Lions, what are we talking about here? I, I, I don't envision that. So I'm not worried. And if he's missing 40 yarders, you you have to concede that it was a poor pick. But I, I think they're they're talented enough to overcome a miss, as again, I know that sounds naive, but I'm, I'm not. Are you, do you think it'll be a concern? Do you think there's going to be a situation where Let's. This isn't fair. Let's let's fast forward to the NFC Championship game. Let's say the 49ers do get stopped, and he does miss. Like, will the will there be will the Niners not be able to overcome that miss? Do you think? I think, I think the 49ers can probably live with a Jake Moody miss. To your point, probably through the NFC Championship. You know, not and. That's an NFC championship. This is the divisional playoffs. No one should be surprised if these games are close, even if the 49ers should kick someone's ass. Things just get weird, you know, and especially the Packers are riding a ton of momentum and they're going to be coming into Levi's at least with a lot of confidence. And we'll see if the 49ers can take them down a peg or two. But to me, it's just like if if Robbie Gold walked out there to hit a 45 yarder, I'm at like a nine out of 10 confidence level. And if Robbie we, Gold walks out to the field and like 49ers are 47 yard field goal attempt, all right, we're going to kick a field goal. I'm walking to the fridge and grabbing something to drink because right, I know he's right. night. But if it's Jake Moody, you're not going anywhere. No, you're going to like put the TV on mute and like close your eyes. <laughs> right. Your right. It's, but it's it, in the same sense, we're talking about high flying offenses, Packers, Lions, maybe Bucks, um, Bills, Ravens. Chiefs are not a high flying offense, but it if if it gets there and it's fourth and three, go for it because field goals aren't going to win those games anyway, right? And, 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 and we could also say the most popular line in television sports right now, at least in football, is analytics says you should go for oh, it. Here. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, like we and that was in my mind again. Like that's why I'm I'm not even thinking about entertaining the idea of drafting a kicker early. Because A, you can find them anywhere, but B, like I'm here to score touchdowns and I have players on the field who can score touchdowns. And if it's fourth and four, I would trust Christian McCaffrey more than I would trust Jake Moody. Yeah, I, I and I think that's fair. And, and the 49ers may feel that way too. And, but, and then going back to my point earlier, is maybe the 49ers get away with the missed kick through the NFC Championship game. But then you're talking about 
Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, or Patrick Mahomes on the other end, and in ideal conditions too, single. like in 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 the Vegas, in Vegas where there's that not is, be that's also a good point. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, it's but in that in topic. that scenario, you you very well could come down to a field goal. You know, you're 100%. playing the two best teams in the NFL at that point, and every single freaking point matters. And yeah, he gets some point for setting a re- some some credit for setting a record for extra points. You know, I don't think that's nothing. But at the same time, that record was set because the 49ers stopped needing field goals for like two months. Yes. They just kept scoring touchdowns over and over and over and over. And everybody's like, oh, well, he hasn't missed since, uh, you know, since this. And I'm like, well, they haven't kicked a whole lot of field goals. <laughs> they, and when they have, yeah. they've fucked up in, inside the five yard line and they have to kick a field goal that they feel stupid about. So it's right. like, you know, it's it's just something that I guess we got to talk about. Everybody in no, that building fair. is. I'm sure Jake Moody himself is hoping that they don't need him to, to win them the game. But man, on the flip side of things, glass half full approach. If Moody hits a game winning kick to send them to the Super Bowl, to send them to the NFC Championship, to, to win them a Super Bowl, my goodness, then no one will give a shit what he missed. You know what I mean? So there's always the flip side of things. It could be a cool story, it could be a horrible story. Um, the Packers yeah. kicker had a worse percentage this year than uh, Moody. Anders Carlson, by the way, who was and, a six-rounder um, out of Auburn. He, and Moody is not the worst kicker in the NFL or anywhere near the worst kicker in the NFL. So it's not uh, Carlson worth. only made 50% of his kicks from 40 to 49 yards this year. That's weird because he was really good. Yeah. Um, three for five from 50. Missed five extra points. And missed four of his kicks um, from between forty and forty-nine. So maybe the Packers are the ones thinking about going for it come Saturday. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, there right. could be. I, if you're kicking a field goal against forty-nine, you're asking for it. They're so. going to need to. Yeah, they're going to need to. Oh, all right. Well, anything uh, on your head that we have not spoken about? You owe me a prediction. What do you think? Are what do the Forty ers get to? What's the magic number? What's the path for the Packer? Like, what do the Packers need to score to win? What do you What do you think about all? Oh that? my goodness, um, I would say the Packers would need to score at least like thirty five points to win. Maybe, maybe even Dallas numbers. You know, they scored forty eight against Dallas. Dallas scored thirty two, and they still that like came. <laughs> we're coming back. I know, and that was kind of an illegitimate score on doubt. Like, Packers pulled guys out maybe a tad bit too early, but um, I don't necessarily blame them for doing that given how much they were winning by and what their week was going to look like. But Yep, short week. Um, yeah, I think I think the, the Packers are going to need to put up at least 35, and, and if they're putting up 35 and that's enough to win, that means the 49ers offense was probably not not quite as good as we thought it was going to be, and that means the defense was nowhere near as good as – they typically are. So kind of seems like uh, it would need to be a massive outlier for the Packers to win. But again, I'm not denying the, the momentum they have and how well they're playing at pretty much every single level on offense. Uh, prediction wise. I, th- yeah. yeah, I think the 49ers win 40 is 42 an NFL number. It is. You are allowed to score forty-two points. I know, but some, you know what I mean. There's always numbers that that like never they never hit. Didn't they? I'm gonna say I'm. I'm, Oh, they scored forty-two against Eagles. Okay, then let's do then let's do 
And I think that's a bit ambitious. Let's do 38. They scored to... 43 times, by the way. So it's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm overthinking it for sure. I'm going to go 38, 24. Oh yeah. It, I think it's going to be high scoring for sure. I think we're going to see a lot of points, a lot of possessions. Um, like if, if the 49ers get out almost in the same sense as the Packers Cowboys, if the 49ers do build a lead, I can see the Packers just, you know, um, drop back pass, you know, dink, dunk, just moving the ball down the field incrementally. Um, but I, I think we are like, if I had a bold prediction, I think that, uh, the whole interception streak is going to come to an end. I think they force love into making a mistake and that's going to be the backbreaker. And the 49ers lead the league in interceptions. They do. And they usually get them at the most like opportune times. Um, so I, I don't know who gets it, but I, I do think they get one. Maybe it's because of the pressure. But, I mean, I just, coming back to the offensive side of the ball for the 49ers, it'll, like it's going to have to be one of those what, if, if Brock doesn't turn over four times, right? Like that's the only thing stopping them. So um, if, if Christian McCaffrey doesn't fumble inside the 15-yard line, they're going to score a lot, and they're going to score early and often. So I think – yeah, um, 30 – I don't think they've ever scored 37, so I'll say 37. 37-20. Um, It'll be like 34-37-20, something around those lines where I think the Packers do score. But I, it, it's just really tough to keep pace with the 49ers. So I, I don't know why that would change at home, especially off a bye when the defense is fresh, when the offense – when Shanahan has, you know, a couple of weeks to prepare and when he knows, like, a guy who – a guy in Joe Barry, the Packers defense coordinator, who he's just like carved up. So I don't, I don't see that changing. All right. So we both have the 49ers winning. Uh, I, I think that, you know, they're 10 point favorites. So they're supposed to. It's, yeah. It's not necessarily a shock. Um, but based on your other article where the Packers talked about pressuring, Jeff Dini just happened to just tweet, just tweet right now of Pro Football Focus. Said Brock Purdy had the highest pass rating in the NFL over the last 10 weeks when under pressure, 103.5. So pressure him all you want, Packers. I mean, that's like you said, that's what you want to do. 100%. If you bring extra pressure, you're leaving your back end susceptible. So, like, it sounds good in theory. Yeah, we're going to get after the quarterback. We're going to force him to make a mistake. Oh, shit. We left this guy one on one. So, right. and what happens is, especially. When they spread you out, like Brock is doing a – this is why I think, and I think I put this in the article, like when they spread you out, he is looking to go up top. Like he's looking to go um, – and if up top's not available, he's going to hit that 12, 15, 18, whatever it is, in breaker, and now there's no middle defender, and it's just a foot race. And we see every freaking week what happens when it's Kittle in a foot race, it's Debo in a foot – like they win those. And there's not really – like, that's just being objective. Like, they always win those those matchups. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just so much easier said than done. Right, right. Well, all right, man. Appreciate you coming on here. Appreciate you um, hopping on the podcast that you should always be on. But, hey, hey. you know how it is. You know how it is. I got to get my digs in. And if, if you if you haven't – no one, if no one knows the striking gold, the hashtag striking gold fam, they know, but there is a reason that KP's name is still on the striking gold uh, cover art, even though he's not on here. Okay. It's, it's a silent protest, if you will. So <laughs> just letting you know that there is a reason it's not because we're lazy. It's not because 
I can't spend three minutes in Adobe Illustrator deleting his name or putting a red square over the top of it. It's it's uh, very much on purpose because people are dumb and greedy. But appreciate you, dude. Always, man. We can do it every week, every playoff week if you want. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it next week. If the 49ers beat the Packers, we'll talk about uh, what the 49ers Lions are going to look like. I'm assuming that's what it's going to be. But um, do, do you, Let's do that before we get out of here. Yeah, I think the I Lions think a, beat the I think they beat the they beat the Bucks. So the Bucks are a little bit healthier defensively. So I think they have a chance. Um Do you think they win? Oh man. The Lions can't stop anybody. So I don't know why they'd be able to stop the Bucks. The Eagles stop Mike them. Evans so like, that and does Chris not Godwin count. And- Yeah, and and that's another thing. So last week Evans had a couple drops. And I don't think that happens this time around. So, it, I mean, it can go either way. And Mayfield missed some – not that Mayfield's, you know, great by any means, but even he missed some throws that he would normally make too. The, exactly. the Bucks' offense less, left some points on the field. Which is – you when that usually happens, the next game, you just – in sports, you bounce back just because you're more constant, right? You're more committed to not making that same mistake again. So, I, it's going to be higher scoring. The Lions are really, like, really well coached. Um and they're really good on offense, though. So I, I don't know. I I would naturally I'm going to gravitate toward the team favored to win by a touchdown. But I I just don't think it's as simple as the Lions rolling the ball out and being able to do whatever they want to. Um, the Bucks being a little healthier on defense should be a should at least make it more of a game than it common thought would make. Would say. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll talk about Could it. Could be way uh, wrong. Yeah, we'll talk about it next week. Maybe we'll talk about it next week either way, even if the 49ers are in it or not, because right. the show must go on. But all right, man, appreciate you. Um, thanks for hopping on. Everybody else, thank you for listening to Striking Gold. If you uh, Make sure you follow uh, K- Kyle Posey, at, under, also known as KP, at KP underscore show, uh, NinersNation.com. Check out his work. Read it. You could read his articles and then also tweet out the information as if you got it yourself. Okay? <laughs> um, you could you could do that if you wanted to. It wouldn't be the first. Uh, make sure you support him and, and everything he does. Uh, find me on Twitter at Rob underscore louder. Don't forget about the takeaway time that posts after the game. Win or lose, it's still on there. Uh, make sure you're jumping in it. If you want to leave a little bit more support for the pod, get on whatever app you're listening on. Leave a a five-star review and put some words in there if you want to. But again, you're here listening. That's the ultimate support. I appreciate you. That's KP. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. And we're signing. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.